Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, moms and ladies. Yay. Well done for surviving. I want to tell you a a quick funny story. I'm just going to name and shame my wife quickly um, because, because it's darn funny. But, uh, but here's the thing. I've got to set the context because my wife is almost always perfect and more like Jesus than me. So I just need to set the context. We, we had a, a, quite a rough week. So some of you know we lost Derek, who was a son in this house, and I'll speak about him in a moment. But out of that came three groups uh, that we kind of pastored this week. So there was, um, there was Megan, uh, who was in our congregation, who was uh, Derek's girlfriend, and her dad is a kitesurfing friend of mine. So there was, there's a crowd around there. Then my next-door neighbor works for the company that he, walk, he works for, so we ended up pastoring some of the company. And then... Um, and then there was obviously the parents on that side. So this week was just full of pastoring and caring for people. And, uh, and then on Friday, my boy had his birthday party, and I was at the funeral, and I raced to get across to the birthday party. And as I was almost there, my wife found me to say, it's over. And, and so we've just like had one of those weeks. And then on Saturday, I had to do a wedding. And after the wedding, one of my friends was turning 43, and I went to a party. And, uh, and by this stage... It was like at the end of myself. And, and this party had two groups of people. One very dodgy group of people and one sufficiently dodgy group of people. And, uh, and they were all together. And you know when you're just like at the end of yourself? And, um, and, and normally I love the more dodgy the better. Like I, I'm just, I'm in my zone and the, the most dodgy. And, and I, I just said to her, I said, babe, I don't know how long I'm going to last here. And, uh, and eventually... One lady made some inappropriate comments about my bum, and normally I would just laugh about it, and I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> I just said, I'm going home, but I just snuck out of there. It was that week. So last night, my, um, at about three in the morning, I hear my boy shout, Mom, Mom, and I hear my wife go, Go back to bed. <laughs> and then I hear, Mom, I need to sleep in your bed. And, and mom shouts, no, you need to sleep in your bed. And then I hear, mom, it's my birthday. Why are you being so mean? And then my, mom, uh, my wife says, and it's Mother's Day. Go back to bed. It's just wonderful. So if you are a mother, you can do whatever you want today and tell them to go back to bed. But... Uh, I want to just honor Derek for a little while, and then, and then I'll, I'll get into the preacher. So Derek, a son in this house, just an extraordinary, hello, extraordinary young man. He, um, I, I heard two stories that kind of encapsulate who he is. Um, there's, there's the company we all call Total, but it's actually Total. It's a French company. They, uh, they had a, a massive contract that his company got awarded, but they had nobody to send out there. So they chose Derek at 23 to go and run this massive contract. He's a, a chopper trainee, so it wasn't even in his field. And he goes across there. He owns it so much that Total want him to stay. 
Normally, this is a, a contract run by 40 pluses. Derek runs it at 23. That same kid, young man, uh, whilst I'm, I'm getting the staff to tell stories about Derek, the domestic worker, one of the cleaners, um, says, can I have an interpreter? And the receptionist said, oh, I'll interpret. And she, she speaks in Zulu, and she says, when Derek got to um, our company, he, he always asked how I was. And then about six months into him working there, he said to me, do you want to go for a chopper flip? Now, some of you are thinking he's going to do that with a chopper. No, that's not what this is about. It means going for a flight in a chopper. And she just started crying. And she said, Derek took me flying in a helicopter. This man, who's full of talent, is full of character and compassion, and irreplaceable. Just a son in the house. So when you saw the worship band leading and singing like that, despite their heartache and pain, you got blessed. That was them going, we are going to worship God with all we've got because otherwise we're going to cry, so we're going to sing. And they actually deserve just a round of applause for leading us so well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about how Christians process loss. And uh, I'm going to do it for a couple of reasons. The first is this, is that I'm having conversations again and again and again with people who are trying to get back into rhythms of life, and they're trying to get back into a new kind of normal, and the problem is they haven't done, dealt with the wounding or the loss of the past. And when you do that, it's a bit like running on a hurt ankle. If you keep running on a hurt ankle, what will eventually happen is that you'll put your whole body out of kilter and you'll land up with a worse injury than your ankle. This happens in every aspect of our lives. If you, if you try to do marriage without dealing with an affair, or without dealing with a betrayal, without dealing with an issue, what happens is you, you run out of kilter and somewhere down the line, stuff breaks. Because although we think we can compartmentalize, our brains just don't work that way. And so what generally happens is stuff bleeds into other areas of our lives. We need to deal with our loss. Now, I also want to say that never in all of history has the world been so anti-dealing with pain and loss. We, we do everything we can not to deal with it. We live in this culture and this worldview of seeking comfort so that you don't have to deal with pain. And so we can sniff it away, we can drink it away, we can Netflix away, we can porn it away, we can do something it away so that we don't have to sit in our pain. We are running from it. And, and it's a problem. And here's why it's a problem. It's a problem because if we don't get it right, and we don't get our hearts full, and we don't learn to run, the next generation, who is already more suicidal than any other generation that has ever lived, has no hope of getting it right. And so I'm preaching this preach to you, but not for you only. There is another generation who need to see people deal with pain and loss well. Now, in this congregation, there is a, a man, he's probably watching online right now, um, who ran the 160-kilometer Drakensberg Ultra Trail Run. You, you know that thing? 
So this guy, he's psycho. Um, what happened with him is in kilometer two, his leg, which he'd been treating, uh, something went wrong with his knee, and he was suddenly in pain in the second kilometer. You've got 158 to go. Kilometer number two, he's in pain. So anyway, because he's psycho, he keeps running. And, uh, and he runs the first day, and then he runs through the night, because this is how these oaks do it, issues. He runs through the night. But because he's in pain, he can't run fast. So he's way behind everybody else. But he makes up his mind that though he's in agony, and he can't even take Microdol or anything, though he's in agony, he's going to keep going. And he said, Russ, this is how I kept going. I listened to um, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart, and I was shouting to my pain, bring it on, give me some more, can you do it anymore? And he said, so I eventually got to 100 kilometers. Now imagine, you're running in pain, it runs for 100 kilometers. He, he gets to the 100 kilometer mark and he sits down and some guy comes up to him, cameraman, and he starts chatting to him. And then God says, I, I think I'm done now. I'm going to stop at 100 kilometers. I feel like I've done well. And the cameraman, just chatting away, says to him eventually, he says, but I don't think you came here to quit. And then carries on talking. And Goth first gets angry. And then he goes, you're right. And he runs the second night through to finish just in time, 160 kilometers. When you have purpose, you can deal with pain. And so I want to take you to the book of Acts to look at people who are living in purpose so that they can deal with pain. Listen to this. In Acts 7 verse 8, it says this. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among them, the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. So here's what we got. We got one of the best of the best. Derek was one of the best of our congregation. Stephen was one of the best the world's ever seen. God's Spirit is on him. He's performing miracles. He's preaching in ways people can't argue with. His face is shining like an angel. Just ne never happens to me. I, I keep asking God, make it happen to me so they believe I'm really a pastor. But uh, he, he's just God's, God. He's all the best. And then he preaches a very, very, very long sermon telling all the Israelite teachers all the things they already know. And he ends with this. He says in verse 51, You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever res resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. 
how to win friends and influence people. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, listen to that, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. How do Christians deal with tragedy and loss? There are a few moments in the Bible where you see heaven's reality invading earth's perspective. You, you see a paradox. In this verse, we see a paradox. He, it, Stephen says this. He says, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. From earth's perspective, they're watching one of the best of the best about to die. From heaven's perspective, Jesus is standing. Now, let me tell you why that's so, so important. Everywhere that you read about Jesus, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He, he is seated. But now he's standing. From earth's perspective, we're already in mourning and depression. From heaven's perspective, we're standing and applauding. These are such different perspectives. Earth is going, my best mate's about to die. Heaven is going, well done, my boy, keep going. That's amazing. I love that. We have to get heaven's perspective. You see... God in his grace gives Stephen heaven's perspective so that he can deal with earth's injustice. Now let me, let me try and explain this to you. I need you two fine-looking gentlemen to come up here and help me out here. This rope is going to represent time. You got it. And these guys, you're going to, oh, got a cable involved. Thank you. These guys, imagine they could take this rope to the ends of the earth. They could, they could go, oh, oh, that's like flat earth society. They could go round to the other side of the earth. And imagine that was time. Your life would be like that. A dot on a very, 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 very long line. A speck 
a moment. And so for the purpose of this analogy, I'm just going to pretend that your life's a little bit longer than that. And say it's like this. But it's still a dot. Because these guys go all the way around the world. I want to say this. When your perspective of life is just the dot, then sometimes you can't get over the grief. Sometimes you will get so stuck in it because there is nothing else for you. Because it was my best days back then when I used to look handsome and my hair wasn't gray. And uh, when, when a whole bunch of things went right, I had my best day there because this is all that I've got in life. I only have one shot. When your perspective is only about this, oh, you're in trouble. You run the risk of dying in pain. This is why pastors work so hard to lead people to Christ at funerals. Not just because we want them to experience Jesus, but because we don't want them to live with a hopeless reality of life. Now let me tell you the problem with where we're at at the moment. Sorry, these guys are going to stand for a while. But when you're that big, you can. <laughs> you know, one of the things that COVID did is um, it took our planning. Because before COVID, we'd like planned five years in advance. Remember that, those days when you planned five years in advance? Now you just go for what? But, uh, but you used to think way down there. And the reason was because you could predict the future. I, I thought I was, I thought we were out of COVID in December. So I Airbnb'd my house. Two people were going to come take it. The first one decided to take it, the second one decided not to, which meant that I didn't have enough money to go on holiday, but I couldn't stay in my own house. It was like a disaster. It's like you have enough disasters come your way and you go, I can't plan. Friends of mine, they're in business. They're, they're, built the arches, and they said that week one of lockdown, they would have these prayer meetings, and everybody would come throughout that first week, and they'd have words, and they'd have solutions, and great ideas, this is how we're going to get through this, and they came week two, they had a little less in terms of words, and ideas, and solutions, they came week three, nobody had any words, or ideas, or solutions, it's just like, how do we plan in COVID? And so what happens when you don't know how to plan because you don't know what's going on in the future is you start to plan today. And when you start to plan today instead of two years, a couple of things will go wrong. One is you will make bad decisions and they will be driven by your desire for comfort and not purpose. You'll, you'll find yourself getting smaller and smaller in your thinking. And so the type of thing that will happen is you'll go, shall I go to church? What's the weather like? Shall we invest in those friends? Do you feel peopled out? And, and every time, because you're thinking about today, your decision will be about comfort. Because we have no purpose. 
And the world's got squeezed and squeezed and squeezed for all of our lives so that we're making day-by-day-by-day decisions. Now, just think about this. Wealthy people think about their money in terms of 20 years' time, 30 years' time. Poor people think about their money in terms of today. If you want to make bad decisions, just make them based on today. Think about your dating career. When you were a teenager, man, it was just if someone could like me. But, but if she could, it was you were looking for the pretty girl. That was it. If the pretty girl liked you, you were very happy. You felt good. And you were hoping that it would last longer than a week. When you got to varsity, she needed to be pretty and have a brain. Because at varsity, you start using yours for the first time. So, so you'd go like, man, if she's got those two things, then I'm sorted. The caliber of your decisions is still bad. Then you would get to like 23, and you would imagine that you might date this person for two years. And so what you would go is, she needs a little bit of character. Not a lot, but just a little bit so that it's not pain for the next two years. But mostly looks and, uh, and fun, actually, now. And if she has a brain, that's nice. And then what happens is, by the time you get to 28, you go, I am thinking and dreaming about living with this person for the rest of my life. And suddenly, character becomes the big issue. Can they look after their own finances? Can they manage their own emotions? Are they able to make good decisions? Do they have good friends? What's their mom like? Like, these are the things that start going through your mind. Because now, you're thinking 20 years' time, and so the quality of your decision goes up. Friends, when people's quality of decision is based on today, you're going to make bad decisions. And if you want to live a life of purpose, you have to make your decisions today based on eternity both ways. Otherwise, comfort will overcome purpose every single time. See, the thing that's healing about this is when we put Stephen's death into the perspective of eternity, then I know that this season will come to an end and I will see Derek again. When I put loss into the perspective of eternity. It's not just that perspective changes. It's that the loss will be restored or the loss of that business or that promotion or that thing went wrong, that went wrong, it won't matter anymore. Or I will realize that the loss that I experienced was for great gain. Let me explain. Thank you. you. You guys were amazing. Uh, that was incredibly difficult. Thank you very much. Give them a hand. <laughs> you know, if you were Stephen, the moment he was getting stoned, his perspective is, I'm preaching for Jesus, but this doesn't make sense. If you're a disciple watching, it doesn't make sense. But the moment he crossed over into heaven and looked back down, 
he would have realized that God was orchestrating this so that a persecution would break out and Philip would go and preach in Samaria and then he'd go preach to an Ethiopian and that Ethiopian would start the Ethiopian church, which is one of the largest churches across the world. That, that out of this, God's glory would begin to explode all over the place. In fact, one of the things I asked myself when I was reading the text is I was asking myself, who did Luke go to to ask about the text because there's so much detail in here. And I realized he went to Paul, the guy who was ordering him killed. This side of eternity, Stephen would have struggled to forgive Saul at the time. This side of eternity, he would have realized that his death was probably the catalytic start to Paul coming to faith. And Paul probably sat there with tears running down his eyes as he said to Luke, when I looked at Stephen's face, it was shining like an angel and it bothered me so much. I got so angry, I decided I was gonna take out every Christian. But all the time, my heart was yearning. So when Jesus finally met with me, it was a relief because the pain had already started. And I thank God for Stephen. I think Paul with tears running down his face declared that. And I want you to know if you've experienced loss, and pain. We have a God who doesn't promise to protect us from stuff. He promises to use stuff. You see, the church is caught in the culture trap. And so we ask for protection when they asked for boldness. We ask for stuff when they were asking for kingdom. We're asking that, Lord, you give us comfort and fuzzy feelings. When they were asking for courage so that they could face persecutors. We've, we've lost the perspective of eternity. And so we run the risk of losing our purpose and giving in to our comfort. And God wants to set you free from that. Because it is impossible to carry the pain and loss. You know, Bones, who I love so much, who preached last week, he lost his dad this Thursday. And he just wept. And he said, Ross, I needed this so bad. You need this if you're processing loss. You need to shift where your head's at. And then you need to shift where your heart's at. See, the, the scripture doesn't end there. It says these words. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. And you need to mourn. Not, if I can ask you to, to come up again, sorry. It says some devout men. It doesn't say one devout man. Came to bury Stephen with great mourning. Not with a few sniffs. Church, one of the things you have to do is you have to mourn. Fuspate and stiff upper lip, they don't bring healing. They bring the equivalent of a two-liter Coke bottle getting shaken and shaken and shaken that either explodes or goes flat. Explosion's called anger, flat is called depression. God doesn't need an angry or depressed church. He needs a full-hearted church. And the way you get full-hearted is you mourn. 
And when you mourn, yeah, come, Justy. When you mourn, you need brothers. You need someone to mourn with. You, I've tried it alone. Me and Jesus, we're going to work this thing out. Stupid. He doesn't want you to work it out. Here's what you need. You need connection to God, but you need connection to one another because most of that pain isn't meant to be carried on your own. You need to lean on someone and vomit out how angry you are and tell someone, I need prayer today. I need friendship today. I need care today. I'm scared of what I'm going to say today. I'm scared of how I'm going to behave today. I need accountability today. I need strengthening today. And church, if you understood the power of the Holy Spirit working through each other, you would understand how desperately God wants you to do this so that you can reach out to people who don't know Him and give me your hand, do this. See, this week, I was ministering to a lot of non-Christians. And what I realized is because I had this, I could do that. But when you keep yourself isolated from this, you are unable to do that. And I know today that there are people carrying such enormous loss some people here who've just you don't have one loss, you have loss upon loss upon loss when I was doing this funeral I realized there were people there who were crying but they weren't just crying about Derek, they were crying about a, a father and they were crying about a business and they were crying about a marriage and they were crying about you see loss that's not dealt with it just accumulates and I know there are people in this church who just have loss and so I'm going to lead you. We're going to sing a song, but I want to lead you through the song. Because I want you to start the process by just putting it at Jesus' feet. This funeral was one of the hardest funerals I've had to do because, and it's always so hard, when parents bury children. There isn't, when you become a parent, you just realize that there is, can't be more pain than burying a child. But I want you to know that the heavenly father buried his son. He knows your pain. He knows what you're feeling right now. There is no pain that he can't identify with. And so as we sing the song, you need to take your pain to the one who knows what pain feels like. And then you need to ask him to help you put it into perspective and then bring some healing. But start by bringing your pain. And so Justy's going to sing, and if you want to stand and sing with us, you can. If you want to just sit there and let it all out, you can. And then I'm going to minister, and then we're going to close. And some of you, you don't need this message. It's going well. I'm so excited for you. And when you turn 14, it might change. 
and for the rest of us, life. Let's take our life to Christ. Now as you wrap this up, with someone's phone going in the corner. If life was just this, then you should do everything you can to fight for that old season because it'll be gone. And some of us are fighting to get back that last season of friendships, that last season of work, that last season of, of something. But life isn't just this. Life is this. And God doesn't promise to restore what he did yesterday. He promises to lead you from glory to glory. He doesn't say, my mercies are the same every day. He says, my mercies are new every day, which means that you need new mercies for a new day. And so in this moment, as you identify with Christ, make a decision. You you can't finish this process today, but you can make a decision. I'm going to let go of that last season that I have been mourning for for so long. It may be sore, but I'm not going to try and get back what potentially even God took away. I'm going to get the new mercy. There is a new friendship. There is a new purpose. There is a new season. There are new dreams. Your best is not necessarily behind you. Just what you think is your best. There is an eternal future for you. So don't you get stuck in your past. Let it go. Grab on something new. May God fill you and bless you and restore in you and may he give you new new faith and new joy and new new tomorrow. If you um we're not gonna come to you. But if you want to just stay there and let it all out and be by yourself, you just do that. And uh if you stay for long enough someone will come and put their hand on your shoulder and say, Yeah okay. Then let them lift you up in a non COVID way. But may God give you grace as we end this service. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.